Oregon's legislature started its 2024 short session this week, and lawmakers are taking on a couple of what voters say are the state's biggest issues, housing and the effects of drug decriminalization. I'm Elliot Noose, and this is Beat Check with The Oregonian. Later, I'll be joined by public safety reporter Noel Crombie to talk about lawmakers' plans for Measure 110, the drug decriminalization law voters approved in 2020. But first, I'm joined by state politics reporter Carlos Fuentes. He'll talk about some of lawmakers' top priorities for 2024, as well as an Oregon Supreme Court decision that will bar several legislators from running for re-election after they boycotted the Capitol last year to stall bills they opposed. Carlos, thanks for coming on Beat Check. Thanks for having me. So let's start with uh, some of the big issues at play in the legislature this year, uh, beginning with housing. What is on the table to address the state's affordability crisis? Governor Tina Kotek really set the stage for the session back in January. Um, She proposed a a massive $500 million housing production bill. And she said, this is the only bill I'm going to introduce. Um, It does four major things. I'll just say first, it funnels $200 million into infrastructure projects all across the state. And this is something that cities say is sorely needed in order to build that housing. Um, second, it allocates $200 million to middle-income housing, uh, which the governor is hoping, of course, that that can put Oregon on track to her goal of building 36,000 housing units per year. Third, the bill would establish a housing production and accountability office, and that office would help cities navigate housing laws and it would investigate violations of it. Um, And finally, probably the most controversial part of this bill is a proposed one-time tool for eligible cities to expand their urban growth boundaries, and they could expand them by up to 150 acres of buildable land. And they can do this if they prove or if they can prove that they need affordable housing and they don't currently have enough land within their urban growth boundaries. Um, environmentalists are pretty opposed. Let's unpack that a little bit. So, so um, Oregon's land use laws, um, going back to uh, the 1970s, sort of limit on where where uh, urban areas can grow, and uh, this would um, this is intended to sort of create a a one time release valve for the purpose of building more housing. Is that about right? That's correct. Yes. And environmentalists say that we don't need this tool because there is already a process for cities to expand their urban growth boundaries. But then there are cities and developers who say that the current process is too slow, too tedious and too expensive. So as you said, this was um, a a priority for Governor Tina Kotek. Um, Are uh, are all sides in agreement that that, uh, housing is uh, a top priority, the top priority for this uh, 2024 legislative session? Everyone seems to be in agreement that housing production is the number one issue. And I don't think that should, I don't think that really comes as a surprise. Republicans and Democrats from all over the state have been hearing from their constituents that they need more housing of all types and at all affordability levels. Um, For the most part, what I'm hearing is that the urban growth boundary provision uh, could prove to be the most controversial aspect of it. Um, That's because well, partially because last year, a similar program in a bill wasn't able to make it through the Senate. Um, however, I have spoken to some Senate Democrats who opposed that bill last year, and they say that they believe the governor has done some really solid work in the interim to create this bill with new affordability requirements. And uh, for example, I spoke with Senator Jeff Golden, a Democrat who opposed it, and he said that he's really happy with some of the things that he saw in this bill. So if anything, the arguments to be had on this overall bill are 
going to be in the small details, um, but that remains to be seen. And and so it, not only do they agree that this is a top priority, but largely they've they've agreed at least on this uh, this sort of set of, of potential solutions. It looks like it. Yes. Um, what what other issues do you think are going to occupy some of the uh, some of the time during this short session, um, and and during which uh, time is pretty scarce because under the Oregon Constitution, uh, the short sessions on even number years uh, can only last, uh, I believe, a maximum of thirty five days. Yeah. So I think Speaker of the House uh, Dan Rayfield probably said it best before the session. He said. All of our focus is going to be on housing and behavioral health. If we can get other stuff done, that's great too. But those are the major topics. And I think he's right. There are obviously several other, there are a lot of other bills that committees and individual lawmakers have pushed forward. Um, I'll just say some that I think people will be watching. Um, There is a bill that is proposing to permanently stop daylight savings in Oregon. And I know there are a lot of Oregonians with strong thoughts on that. So we'll be watching that one. There is a right to repair bill that would require tech manufacturers to make it easier for consumers to repair their own devices. So that can include phones, tablets, laptops, etc. And then a third one that I'll mention is there are two bills regarding wildfire protection for homeowners. Um, and it's interesting because there are two different bills that take different approaches. Uh, one of them would require the timber industry to pay more money for wildfire protection costs while the other one would require taxpayers to pay more money to to foot this cost. You mentioned behavioral health um, as another top priority. Uh, do you have a sense of how the legislature um, aims to try and address that? Is is that sort of as fully formed as uh, their priorities on the housing front? I don't know if they're as fully formed. And I think that's because they are still very much in the process of trying to figure out what they're going to do. I know that a committee has proposed some reform to Measure 110. Um, and I know that Republicans and Democrats have both said that there is a lot of work to be done. We will see what that means in terms of what the final bill will actually look like. I think it is pretty early in the session to say, I think there are a lot of details still still yet to be hammered out on that. Sure. And, and we'll hear more about uh, Measure 110 and proposed uh, reforms there uh, later on from reporter Noel Crombie. Um, is, is that sort of the that that sort of the nexus around which the behavioral health um, issue is is uh, that's the form that that's taking this session? It sounds like it looks like it. Yes. Uh, just a couple of hours before we recorded, and we recorded on Wednesday uh, of uh, for listeners, what will be last week, uh, the legislature got some good budget news. Um, how is the revenue outlook for the state, and how is that going to affect lawmakers' work over the coming weeks? Yeah, so the state's budget is looking strong, which is good for lawmakers. Um, state economists reported on Wednesday that their that the revenue forecast for the biennium which is the two-year cycle that ends next year, um, they actually have nearly $560 million more than they expected to spend, or than they expected um, back in December. And they have to spend this money by next June. Um, Most of that money, most of that half a billion dollars uh, is money that went unspent in the state's most recent biennium. And there's also a slim increase in $76 million of forecasted tax revenue that the state economists didn't predict back in November. Um, the state's general fund for 2023 to 2025 is expected to reach nearly $26 billion, uh, which is a dip from the most recent biennium that ended last year. But 
it's about half a billion dollars higher than state economists predicted last year. So lawmakers are going to have, and they have this new pile of cash, and that's great news for them. Theoretically speaking, that $560 million would cover Kotex's $500 million proposed housing production bill. And it could be vital because lawmakers have indicated that they think Kotex ask might be too high. So we'll see what they do with this new pile of cash. And I, I know um, as we've been, as uh, the, the state economists have um, sort of uh, continued to report in on revenue, uh, a lot of folks have been kind of tallying up the the kicker, uh, the tax rebate um, that uh, taxpayers get back um, in their in the form of a tax rebate uh, when the state brings in more revenue than expected. Um, but that I, I believe the kicker uh, for uh, the previous biennium is already set. Is that is that right? Yes. The if you're referring to the 2021 to 2023 biennium, uh, the state had to pay back 5.9 billion dollars uh, to taxpayers. Is the kicker um, at this point? You know, are, do you do we have any sense of uh, if we're headed for another one in in uh, the next biennium, or uh, is that yet to? Yet to come. It's yet to come. The state economists did alter some of the the methodology behind their predictions in the last couple of years. So they said that this should hopefully help make their predictions more accurate and, you know, not lead to a kicker that is billions of dollars um, in the future. But I think it's it's still too early to see for this next cycle. Um, another uh, big piece of news just ahead of the legislative session, just j- days before the session began, um, the Oregon Supreme Court ruled that 10 senators who boycotted the legislature last spring will not be allowed to run for re-election. Um, that's a result of a 2022 law that voters approved uh, that was intended to uh, to punish lawmakers who walk out and stop legislative business. Um, how is this going to affect the coming session? Um, Do observers think that it will make things more productive or more combative? The short answer is nobody knows. I've spoken to some political experts who say that the decision they predict will cut back on walkouts because there are real consequences now. You know, if a lawmaker misses 10 or more sessions, they are barred from re-election. So they're hoping that that's going to slow down walkouts. Um, But also on the sort of flip side um, last week, Senator Senate Republican leader Tim Knope, who led last year's walkout, when asked if this was going to, if he expects any walkouts this session, he said, well, we have nothing to lose. If we walk out of 10 or more sessions, what are they going to do? We already can't run for re-election. So theoretically, this might mean that they could walk out over minor issues. Um, but I think it's important to say that there haven't been any indications indications so far that this will be a very partisan divided session. Uh, Republicans and Democrats both want to work on housing, Measure 110, these really big issues that affect everyone. Um, the walkouts are a last resort option. Um, so we will see if anything particularly contentious comes up. I spoke with Canope earlier this week, um, and he said that the Republican Party right now is just taking it day by day. So, Carlos, you, you joined the Oregonian staff last year, and, and this is your uh, first year uh, then covering the legislature on a legislative session, at least for our newsroom. Um, how, been you, how have you been getting to know uh, Salem and, uh, and the lawmakers and policymakers um, that make up the legislature? 
Yeah, I've basically been connecting with anyone and everyone who will speak to me. Uh, <laughs> I've been diving deep into the bills, particularly the big ones, you know, the housing production bill. I did a big deep dive on that in the last couple of weeks. Um, I've been having conversations with lawmakers from all over the state to talk about priorities, their priorities headed into the session. And I've been speaking to cities. I've been talking to other stakeholders, such as developers, about the housing production bill. Uh, I've been talking to lobbyists. I'm just trying to get a really comprehensive understanding of the issues that will affect not just people in Salem, you know, not just the the very rich and powerful, but the Oregonians that live, you know, in more rural places. Um, I'm I'm excited to get into it, and it'll be it'll be a sprint. It certainly will. Uh, it's a very very quick session, and a lot of a lot of business to get done. Um, and uh, we look forward to your coverage. Uh, thanks so much for coming on Beat Check. Thanks for having me. Noel Crombie is tracking the Oregon legislature's debate over what to do with Oregon's Measure 110, a drug decriminalization law approved by voters in 2020. The law made possession of small amounts of street drugs a violation on par with a traffic ticket, and it set aside hundreds of millions in cannabis tax revenue to pay for drug treatment and services to support recovery. But even though voters approved Measure 110 by a wide margin, Polls now suggest it's grown deeply unpopular amid a growing fentanyl crisis and spiraling overdose rates. Noelle, thanks for coming back on Beat Check. Thank you for having me. What are lawmakers considering? Um, there's a, a trio of bills that got a hearing before a, a, a legislative committee on Wednesday, um, and they are um, they they differ in in some significant ways, um, but. All of them would uh, make drug possession a crime again. Um, one of the bills is um, backed by uh, top Democrats on the on the committee. Uh, Senate Majority Leader Kate Lieber um, has been working on on this legislation, House Bill four zero zero two. Republicans uh, presented uh, two bills as well. Um, last night um, that would uh, that, that are sort of more in line with the proposed ballot measure um, and would would also um, make drug possession a crime again the the issue or that where the difference is on these is uh, House bill 4002 um, would make it at the lowest level misdemeanor crime and the others are um, looking to make it uh, the highest level misdemeanor. Um, and so with uh, those levels of misdemeanor come different sanctions and um, different levels of involvement or expected involvement with the criminal justice system. Um, and so uh, that is, you know, you know what's interesting is that the, um, the Democrat bill, the uh, House Bill 4, the 002 includes a lot of things. There's a, there's a lot of components to it. Uh, for instance, making medication uh, easier to access that certain medications that treat people with opioid dependence, making that easier for them to access. Um, and, um, and it, and it has a, a host of other uh, components to it, but look, the, 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 uh, provision that is generating the most attention and the most controversy is whether to uh, return to uh, the status that we had before uh, the passage of Measure 110, which is when we had, when, when it was a crime to possess um, even small amounts of drugs. And, and it sounds like um, there's bipartisan agreement in the legislature 
um, that, that that should be the case in, in that there are bills coming from both sides of the aisle to do that. Um, how does that translate to uh, the likelihood that lawmakers will come to agreement about what what to do? You know, Elliot, that is the question that I have been asking um, of folks uh, in the past 24 hours. So I think um, you've identified, um, you know, the, the dynamic here that yes, there is, there's, I would say broad support for recriminalizing, but there's not sort of complete support. I think that it's still up for grabs, whether, um, uh, whether the, whether the, this package, uh, you know, house bill, a 4,000, Two um, has um, uh, the support of all Democrats. I know that there are people, uh, who, lawmakers, with uh, misgivings about um, recriminalizing drugs um, because of the the harms associated uh, with being involved in the criminal justice system. Um, and so, I think you know this is a very much a a, a a live issue at the moment politically, and that is what this issue is at the moment. This is a very hot political issue, uh, not to state the obvious, obvious but um, that that is uh, it's playing out in the uh, in the Capitol with um, you know a, a lot of. Um, uh, People, for instance, the ACLU and the Drug Policy Alliance and their supporters are lobbying very hard. And we heard from folks last night at the hearing who have cited the um, that this is that these proposals, all of them, would um, they fear uh, disproportionately harm people of color um, and also um, and also create a burden on the you know sort of the criminal justice system and the already beleaguered defense. Uh, bar. Um, and, and then on the other side, uh, there is a real call for accountability in the way Oregon approaches addiction and treatment. Um, and accountability is not part of Measure 110. Um, it's really um, philosophically has been to sort of let people uh, largely make their own decisions, uh, self-directed decisions around when to get treatment and um, Philosophically, there are uh, lawmakers and 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 uh, and advocates, for instance, in law enforcement, um, who believe that there needs to be um, a, a much stronger incentive for people to um, be compelled to stay in to seek treatment and to stay in treatment. Um, and so that's where that's those that's the that's at the heart of this debate that's playing out right now. And and in this case, the incentive is uh, avoiding. A criminal prosecution, avoiding jail. Uh, yeah, so the stick. Yeah, it's the the um, more of the, uh, the I guess punitive approach. Yeah, and there's debate about uh, you know whether is 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 that effective? Um, and um, you know, I mean, that's that. Those are the discussions that um, I'm hearing every every day now as this. Um, as we move toward some kind of movement here, I think it's important to note this is a short session. It's an accelerated timeline. Um, and so we're going to know very quickly whether um, these bills, um, and I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to guess that it's going to be house bill 4002. That is going to be the one that's, um, you know, if anything's going to come out of the, uh, this committee, that's likely to be the, the bill. Um, and, but we're going to know quickly it, as early as next week, whether um, it has the political support to advance. 
You mentioned earlier uh, a ballot measure uh, that also takes aim at Measure 110. Uh, tell us a little about that. Yeah, that's um, a uh, proposal um, that's backed by Port- Portland uh, business leaders um, who have put a lot of money into a potential ballot measure. Uh, it's the it's it's clearly looming over the session. It's lo- the threat of that ballot measure um, is looming over um, these discussions. Lawmakers that I've spoken with are not um, at all excited about um, about a ballot measure and have you know acknowledged um, uh, that it's a, a huge consideration for them in taking up criminalization. So in, in a sense that just the, the talk of this measure, of this potential measure has um, has had the effect of, of moving the legislature to, to act. That and, um, you know, the, the, the uh, decline in public support for uh, decriminalization, which is, you know, shown in polls. Great. Well, thank you, Noel, for, for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Beat Check with the Oregonian. If you like this show, give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find the show. And tell a friend. Help spread the word. The best way to support our journalism and stories like these is with a subscription to The Oregonian and Oregon Live. You can do that at OregonLive.com slash pod support. We'll see you next time.